0: Welcome to One White Woman. This podcast exists as a warm invitation to join in my journey of discovery about how my whiteness in America has advantaged me, while I've been mostly oblivious to all the disadvantages which have been structured into life for blacks in America. If you're feeling some concern about the ugly facts of systemic racism in America, then this podcast is for you, for us, actually, together. In this episode's conversation, we benefit from the bright intellect and generous heart of Dr. Tracy Timberlake. She helps us with a comprehensive definition of racism, and then consideration of facts that have been purposely obscured from White's direct experience and understanding. Tracy earned her doctorate in education from Nova Southeastern University, a Master of Arts from John Brown University, and a a Bachelor in Business Administration from the University of Miami. Tracy is a multi award winning business coach, a TEDx speaker, and Tracy is also a highly respected online influencer. Uh, Check out the show's notes for more info and links. I would have loved to talk all day with Tracy, but I'm thinking that the best way to structure this podcast is to share relatively brief conversations. By focusing on one topic at a time, so that you and I can progressively gain an accurate sense of the massive scope of challenges Blacks are currently facing in America and gain this other understanding without becoming overwhelmed intellectually and emotionally. The purpose of this podcast is to introduce you to the multi layered and multi dimensional elements that define life in America for Blacks, then provide you with some of what my research has uncovered so your comprehension can deepen and widen at your own pace, so you can move ahead towards contributing to the solutions that call to you most personally, and perhaps even urgently. I am your host, Nini White. With respect and gratitude, I am so glad to welcome you to this conversation with Tracy Timberlake about the topic, the core topic of racism in America. Tracy Timberlake, I am honored to have you here. Thank you for finding the time to talk with me.
1: Thank you so much for having me. What an honor. Thank you. Oh,
0: you're amazing. Uh, I love and admire your clarity and your uh, positivity and your intelligence, and so you are going to be one of our very first guides in this process that we wow. whites need to need to do need to engage in to to wake up to
1: what's been going on around us all the time. Well, I'm just appreciative of the conversation. I think it's so important for us to have it. So thank so, you. So
0: so important. Um, all right. So I think I, I watched your video on YouTube uh, from June 14th, and I'm going to put a link for that. I've actually watched it twice and found it yeah incredibly uh, valuable. I want to focus on one element of that today. And okay. um, that is kind of a foundational element, the this concept of racism, which you really educated on that uh, big picture. So... Take it away, Tracy, <laughs> and thank you.
1: You're so welcome. Uh, you know, racism, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting concept. We know that it is, it is a societal thing. It is a social s- construct that was created uh, really just for division. And, and we can go back into history and go back into time to discuss why it was created. But I think that people usually get the definition wrong when it comes to racism. I think people think that racism is just being judged because of the color of your skin, because you belong to a particular race group. Mm -hmm. And and so I'm always trying to explain to people that racism is not about that, that is prejudice. And everybody in the world has experienced prejudice. You can go anywhere and everybody has, at one point in time, I've experienced it, I'm sure you've experienced prejudice. We've all experienced prejudice, which is prejudging according to what we look like. Mm -hmm. But racism is a structural, systematic uh, thing that has been put in place to cause division amongst races and to propagate one up in front uh, versus others. So racism is is more prejudice and power than it is just having prejudice or having bias. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part of the conversation that we're having right now is really understanding what racism looks like and how we have all been um, subject to it, even without our knowledge, really.
0: Yeah. Oh, for me, for sure, without knowledge. Absolutely. Uh, uh, just a short story. The first time I ever tasted that was in 1972 or something. I went to Hawaii and was looking for a place to live and went into a wrong neighborhood of all Hawaiians. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, then, and then I got a taste of what your day-to-day life is. Mm. And, and so... I don't mean this to be about me, it's just I slightly have a taste of it.
1: Well, I, and I think that it's important to, to recognize that when, you, when people do get a taste of it, it's not pleasant. <laughs> it's not a pleasant experience.
0: Oh, it's way right? more than that. It's
1: crushing. Right. Yeah.
0: So I don't understand how you are able to overcome it, how in your mindset, in your spirit in your accomplishments. Can you tell us about that? What kind of extra hurdles you've had?
1: Sure. I think that, you know, going back, I, I always talk about learning about racism and learning about what that looks like as a black person uh, from, from being very young. My dad, uh, we watched roots when I was five. He was like, we're watching this. like, mm. And I didn't know very much about it. And uh I didn't, you know, it didn't resonate with me uh, as much as it does now, because obviously I didn't, I didn't grow up in slavery times, but he wanted to make sure that I understood that that was our heritage. That was a part of our, our ancestry. And I'm so thankful for that education very early on because it got me interested. And, you know, I had teachers in school who thankfully, even though I grew up in suburban America who would, would educate on these things. Now, not to the extent as I can learn about it now because of how school systems are created. And we can even take a look at the systemic racism that exists there is I didn't see a lot of people like me in history books, right? right? Like we didn't get to have heroes that looked like us <laughs> inside right. of this. And there, and there are several throughout history that, you know, there are lots of people that will say this and I do too, that black history is American history. We have Benjamin Banneker, for example, who cr- designed all of washington dc our nation's capital right and we don't learn that like we, that's not something we learned in school right of course not so um but we do have heroes that we just didn't get to see so a lot of the education that i had was learning that we came from just slavery and that that was kind of our heritage and then of course you know abraham lincoln came you freed the slaves and, and then martin luther king and now everything's fine and, and it's not fine when you live the experience Part of being a black person in America is understanding that these are conversations that you have around the dinner table at family reunions on a very regular basis. So it's a part of the, it's a part of our culture to talk about this, not in a way that people will say is victimizing because it's not, I think it's very empowering to know your history. We have a family historian uh, in my family and um, we have always had the tradition of of coming together. Barack Obama wrote uh, or had a presidential um, he, he wrote a letter to my family because of it, but there, there is because this conversation of, because, because of my, what? Uh, because my family has kind of kept these longstanding traditions uh. of being a family and especially a black family in the South. My my dad's family is from North Carolina, being a black family in the South and maintaining family tradition and making sure that we were telling the stories, uh, you know, throughout in, in our family. And every year we have a family reunion and every year we're a family historian kind of keeps us up to date again on our uh, family line our family history so we're we're very up to date on that and so president I put up a post on Instagram about this but president and with the picture of the of the presidential decree um, to my family but how we have how I've lived through it is is knowing it and and there is power like there's there's power in knowing your history right and and I think and that when you know something, you know what you don't want. Like, I, I know that I don't want that. And I don't want that to be the reason. I also don't know that I don't want that to be the reason why I don't succeed. There are opportunities that exist in America for all people. I can certainly take a look at my family history and say, well, that's just who I'm destined to be. and it, Which is untrue. Untrue. Um, I've had to, and I think a lot of other people in my position, have had to, to fight against those things have had to fight against what has traditionally, what has historically been things that have uh, wanted, maybe not even intentionally, who knows, to to hold us back from things and just decide that that wasn't going to be the life that I was going to live. But I think knowledge is power in that way, because I think it's, it's important for me to acknowledge that I come from that, and to honor my ancestors in a way that they never would have been able to to be honored in, in, this, you know, in the time that they lived in. I think that there's something to be said about you know, me carrying on a family lineage in a way that I think that my ancestors would be proud. They didn't get the opportunities that I get today, um, but I'm also not gonna forget that you know, they, they struggled, That I'm not gonna forget that as a people group, it is still very much a struggle. And even though I can overcome it, or I can say that I haven't experienced it to the degree that a lot of other people have, I know that for certain it exists because I talk to people yeah. in my community. Yeah.
0: Did you, um, did you feel like you had to fight harder for what you want or was it mainly a mindset that cleared your path? Uh, tell a little more about that.
1: I think it was a little bit of both. I think there is, there is naturally going to be a fight because you know that there are institutions that um, are not set up to, to give you as much access or to give you a, as much uh um, I'm going to use the word privilege or as much privilege as other people do get. So there, there's a fight to that degree to to make sure that your access is still going to be available or that, you know, uh, that you're still going to be able to get to a certain place in spite of all the other things that are happening around you. So there's that fight and there, there is a mindset thing too. I think that started very early on. Like I told you with my father died when I was seven. So it's, I didn't get a ton of, of that, but from what I can remember Uh, It was very empowering. Like it was never a, we come from slaves. So you're just, you know, what was you? It was never Mm -hmm. that. It was, we come from slaves and you have a responsibility Mm -hmm. to make sure that you can be the very best. My dad was a career military man. So he got to travel all over the world and got to experience what it was like to be black in some place other than America. Mm -hmm. And to be black outside of America was a very different experience. And a lot of my brother now lives in China and he'll say that too. Like what? Uh, you just, you're not looked at as, um, as in necessarily inferior. There's not a Uh, racism that that exists outside of America towards black people. And so often, you know, my brother has lived overseas. He played basketball and basketball has taken him all over the world. But uh, so now he's in China and he's kind of coming to the point where he, he wants to come back. And I'm always like, you can just stay where you are. You don't, (laughs) you don't need to come back right now. It's it's fine. Um, Give it another uh, 10 years. Right. It's just a different experience. When you, you, you don't feel like the color of your skin is going to cause you to get shot. You're not afraid of police officers. You don't fear for your life walking down the street in a, you know, quote unquote, white neighborhood. Because there aren't white neighborhoods, uh, you know, in China. They're, everyone's Chinese. And um, they're going to look at you different because you're, just because you're different. Right. Just, they, but they're not going to. Um, treat you differently because you're a different color. I and think, that's what's different.
0: I just think that is so fascinating because we just take this division of races so much for granted. And yeah. I, uh, one of the many things I was reading is that maybe uh, four or 500 years ago, it didn't exist. It was like your it's no. for your brother now in China. It was just, mm-hmm. oh, oh, you're
1: different. Oh. You're different. Do, 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 do. Right. Let's go on. Life goes on. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's true. Is even the fir- if you take a look at even the first Africans that came, uh, you know, to the colonies, there are there is research to say that the first Africans that came weren't actually slaves. They were they had some sort of indentured servitude. But they just like white people, there were white indentured servants as well. There were white mm. and black indentured servants serving their time in the same way. But they, there wasn't what we know as, you know, shadow slavery um, in the beginning. It was you're different, but, you know, you, you're you you're you still have value in a way that you can, you know, contribute to society. And it wasn't really until maybe 20 years into the new colonies that uh, slavery, black or black African slavery became what we or started to become what we know it to be today. But when it first started, it really wasn't that way. It was you're different, but you you and you're serving time, whatever time that is, but they were farmers, they could read, they were educated um and they and you know they they contributed to society in that way and they weren't property.
0: This is such an important, you know, it just blasts one more of those bounder bound up thinking channels where it's just oh this is the way it is. No, it was no. created. It was purposely designed. We were purposely programmed yes. to think in terms of these divisions. Yes, and it was very much on purpose. <laughs> very much on purpose. That makes me so angry. It makes you mm-hmm. want to break down in tears. It's so ugly. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it also. I mean, we can see. Okay, this isn't an absolute. I mean, in my heart of hearts, of course, I knew that, and I was, I was programmed to agree a degree, not, not in the ugly way, but in the accepting way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 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 it's so it's such a relief to be waking up to these facts of life instead of these programmed uh, messages.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's really empowering to to get to the place where you can choose. Like you can choose to live a life according to a program. And this is for anything in life, not just racism and prejudice, but for anything in life, you can choose to live according to a program or you can expose it and then decide, you know what? That actually does not work for me. That is not in alignment with who I am, who I know to be, who I know myself to be and who I desire to be. And And then just change it. and how i want to move in the world that i want to live in right what do right what do i want to be a part of what narrative do i want to be a part of when i tell the story of how i lived through 2020 what what story do i want to tell and i think that a lot of people are coming to that place and i love it Mm -hmm. even and this is on both sides of the table this is black people Mm -hmm. white people Mm -hmm. this is asian people this is hispanic people like really getting a chance to to look at this dark dark history that we have in this country and and then expose it for what it is, a dark history, and then make a different choice. It, we're not a country that is beyond repair. I don't think that at all. I don't think that, you know, racism is irreparable. I think that it is. I, I just think that we need to look at it for what it is and then make decisions that are contrary to what we've been told. Oh
0: God, I love this. And then um, what I, there, I have a few more questions. Like, yeah. um. When I was growing up, I remember shopping for a doll and there was one black doll. And that was so mm. fascinating to me. And that was the one I wanted. And it was just because it was, well, for me, it was very beautiful. And what is the value of having, uh, in, in your uh, interpretation, of having heroes that look like you? I mean, describe in your life what that mm. did for your own psychology and your own mindset.
1: Yeah, you know, if we take it back to just how children are, are educated, right? When you don't see, when all, oh, I should say, when all you see are heroes that don't look like you, you there's a sense of pride and identity uh, and acceptance in contributing to the world that you don't get to appreciate like your white classmates,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? There is a level of world ownership that a white child gets to have because of George Washington, and because of Abraham Lincoln, and because, you know, uh, white Americans solved the world's problems of World War Two, and you know, how, even how we teach the Vietnam War and, and all of these things, and you don't feel like you have a part in that. Like, all right. you know, in terms of what your history is, is slavery. And then you have, you know, some, some exceptions, like Martin Luther King, uh, and then now, more recently, Barack Obama. But again, those are exceptions and they're not the norm. And we, it, but the norm of America is a very integrated yes, people. We, yes. Like we, there are heroes of every culture here Asians, Native Americans, uh, Latin Americans, Black Americans. All of them have contributed to what we know as America today, but you just don't get to see that. And when your identity is is degraded or diminished or sanitized down to a history that is just slavery, that takes a toll on your self-esteem, it takes a toll on your confidence, it takes a toll on what you believe you are able to accomplish it, it's, it's a lot uh, on the subconscious level that most educators don't recognize uh, because you know you teach the history books as the history books are written and you don't realize that, oh, there's actually a lot left out here and there are many different faces of many different shades of brown in in a classroom that don't get to see themselves and what they can be capable of when you leave that part out.
0: Absolutely. I mean, when you talk about the subconscious uh, structuring of your of your worldview for your own life and your own potential this is this is critical to
1: have just that big picture the truth the truth yeah, because it is the truth and we should all be yeah. able to celebrate the truth because it is our our truth it's not just a right. black truth it's not right. just a white truth it is our truth we all live here right we've all contributed to right. what america is today and despite the ugliness of slavery we can still look at that just in the same way that, you know, German people can look at their history of, of Nazi right. Germany and look at it and say, we don't want that again. Right. You know, and, and, and look at it just as history, but also as a learning position to, to saying, like, this is what we don't want. We are not proud of this part of our society. We are not proud of this part of our history. But we can at least own it and own the fact that, that it was a part of history versus trying to cover it up and not teach it.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, and that's just the, the mic- macrocosm of in our own lives. We've made mistakes, maybe even horrible mistakes, but own it and move oh, forward. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's life. Uh, OK. Right. But, but <laughs> I want to ask you another question that kind of is coming up with all of this. What is yeah. your opinion of of um, having
1: a Black History Month? What what are the pros and cons of that? That's such a great question, you know, because there are people that are like, even in the black community, they're like, we don't want a black history month. I think the reason mm-hmm. why black history month existed is because there were, there was no space to tell black history in history class.
0: Right.
1: If we integrate black history in American history, right. then I do not think that we need a black history month because it is taught in the same way that all American history is taught. But because like I said, it's been, it's, been so neglected to teach that part, I think it was necessary to have it so that we could expose any excellence that existed in Black history, because it just wasn't a part of the original historical narrative that we told in America. You know, we take a whole class on European history, a continent that live on. Like most Americans, like the truth of the matter is most Americans will never go to Europe. And yet we have a whole year of European history in high school. I was right. I, w- I learned European history in high school. Right. Um, right. Why? I don't know. I mean, I am proud to know about Nazi Germany. I am proud to know about what happened, the the horrific uh, time and space that was the Holocaust. I'm proud to know that uh, because I think it is a part of world history that we should know so that we don't repeat it. Right. I am glad I've learned it. I feel very, you know, I, I feel great that I know about that so that I can empathize and sympathize with you know, my European brothers and sisters across the pond, because that was very much a part of world history. However, we don't get that opportunity as a as a American people to learn about um, the extent of our own horrific histories in America. If it was just a part of the narrative on a regular basis, then we would not need a black history.
0: Right, money. exactly, and don't do me any favors, please. Let's right. let's put this in context, and then you don't have to do me this token. Exactly, because that's, yeah. that's
1: what it becomes. It's just like, a, well, yeah. here, here, like you need. A, here's a bone, so here you go. Yeah, I um, don't like it. It's not respectful enough. Yeah, right. I think it just needs and to and be a part of American history because it's yeah, American. History. Yeah, it's not true enough either. Yeah, yeah, right. And you it can't ha- relegate to you know four weeks. <laughs> you can't relegate Black history to four weeks.
0: Not even close. And also. Just by doing that, you're saying, "Here's your piece. Here's your little piece," mm-hmm. which is just a, 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 one of those unspoken messages of mm, disrespect. You know, it is. I think
1: it was a right. It was it was part of just trying to say, "Okay, fine. Here's let me appease your uproar. So here's yeah. your 20 year. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, I don't like that. Okay, we both don't like that. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Okay, so now what I always, always intend to do on this uh, podcast is to give us a clear sense of what we can do even in our minds or in some actions or some research, whatever. What can you, how can you guide us forward in a positive step, Tracy?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of different angles. I think from an academic perspective, I think more academics uh, need to expose it. You know, I was watching this other gentleman who is in academia speak about White privilege, racism, and he was very critical of those constructs because there wasn't enough academic research to prove them mm-hmm. um, because people don't research it it's not something we're writing in academic journals, and so he said if it didn't exist in academic journals, then essentially it just doesn't exist at all,
0: which Whoa. is not true
1: because oh, no. if you talk and so the second angle would be to talk to people because people will tell you their experience yeah. they will tell you what they've experienced in life and you know, racism does not stand up to, to connection. When you personally connect with people, it's very Mm -hmm. hard to hate them. Like to realize, Oh, you're actually just like me. Like, it's very difficult to hate people that are your friends that are in your community. Right. So I think if we would uh, be open to having these conversations like this, not from a place of anger or frustration, but from a place of like, Hey, we all want the same thing here. We all want a better America. We all want, to, to live in a society where we don't hate one another because of the way that we look. We all, I think, generally speaking, we all want that. But yes. we need to come to the table wanting that and be willing to have the civil discussions uh, based on where we are today using historical references um, so that we don't repeat them. But, you know, these are just conversations that need to be had. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people in the Black community who are tired of, of answering the questions. I get that. And they're allowed to feel that way because they've been answering the questions their whole life. Yes. And there are a lot of people in, in non-black communities who are like, I just never knew this. Like, this is something I never knew. And so on both sides of the table, I think we need to just like realize where we are. And the, the sooner we can realize the seasons that we're in, the better this is going to be for everybody. Um, but take the time, talk to people, educate yourself, write some articles, really dig deep. And, and look at yourself, look at your, cause I've had to do that too. Like I've had to look at my own biases about how I feel. And there are definitely times where I walk into a place and if you are black, I will say this, if you're a black person and you walk into a place where you're the only black person, you know, that you're the only black person yeah. because you, you know, it, you, you look around and you say, I'm the only black person here. Yeah. And it, 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 it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I know that it's something that I, I, I live with regularly is I'm always looking around seeing am I the only black person in this room because yeah. um, it's in the societies that I run in right in different areas uh, like th- that's a very real part of, of my life is that I'm sometimes the only black person in a room and then to feel like I now have to be the spokesperson for all black people now uh, it's a responsibility yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny but it, it's you know, the responsibility. There are rooms that I walked out of for that reason because I didn't want to be the mouthpiece mm. to answer all the questions for all the black people because I'm the only one here, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, um, there, I've had, I've invited people
0: who have said, they said yes, and then they said, no, I can't do it. I'm just too, I'm just, they mm. express too much anger or, and I, I, I mean, I, from my tiny little corner of the room, see that and feel it, you know, I know I don't have the experience of it, but I get that it's totally legitimate, you know, Uh, and I, uh, my heart breaks and I want to be part of this conversation where we're all waking up and just from my side, we have to just, just take off the protective barrier, you know, and just, we didn't create it. I didn't create it. I just was programmed this way, and I can be programmed a different way. Where I'm, I, I'm my I can look at things as they are instead of how they are comfortable or just the way they've been. You know,
1: ick! I want I want
0: the truth. You know,
1: and that's such an. Go, hey! Like this is my programming. Yeah. But, but I can learn a new, I can learn something in the same way that you can learn in any other new skill or any other new program. You right. can reprogram your mind for anything. We're very, we are very resilient. Yes. People want to be, yes, but you do have to make the conscious choice. You to have end. to make the conscious choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. So <laughs>
1: there are a, a
0: infinite number of tangential conversations we could have. Uh, so um, I
1: am inviting you back. Uh, Oh, i would love to anytime let me know
0: tracy thank you so anytime. much thank you so so much for being thank you yes thank yes. you all right so we will talk soon yes yes okay thank you tracy <laughs> you're welcome okay you. bye bye thank you with all my heart for being here for being open to learning, even if the learning is at first uncomfortable, because as you have probably noticed in life, real learning generally does have an element of discomfort. Perhaps you've also noticed the rewards for learning that challenges the boundaries of our understanding are invariably worth the effort. And the reward for this kind of learning has the very real potential of creating a better America for all, an America in which black lives really do matter. Be sure to check this episode's notes for links to learn more about racism and also about tracy thank you again for being here until next time